Chapter Three of the Story of Mankind. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Michelle Crandall. The Story of Mankind by Hendrik von Loon. Chapter Four: Hieroglyphics. This chapter contains several drawings, which the reader will do her best to attempt to describe. Hieroglyphics. The Egyptians invent the art of writing, and the record of history begins. These earliest ancestors of ours, who lived in the great European wilderness, were rapidly learning many new things. It is safe to say that in due course of time they would have given up the ways of savages, and would have developed a civilization of their own. But suddenly there came an end to their isolation. They were discovered. A traveller from an unknown southland, who had dared to cross the sea and the high mountain passes, had found his way to the wild people of the European continent. He came from Africa. His home was in Egypt. The valley of the Nile had developed a high stage of civilization thousands of years before the people of the West had dreamed of the possibilities of a fork or a wheel, or a house. And we shall therefore leave our great-great-grandfathers in their caves, while we visit the southern and eastern shores of the Mediterranean, where stood the earliest school of the human race. The Egyptians have taught us many things. They were excellent farmers. They knew all about irrigation. They built temples which were afterwards copied by the Greeks, and which served as the earliest models for the churches in which we worship nowadays. They had invented a calendar, which proved such a useful instrument for the purpose of measuring time, that it has survived with a few changes until today. But most important of all, the Egyptians had learned how to preserve speech for the benefit of future generations. They had invented the art of writing. We are so accustomed to newspapers and books and magazines that we take it for granted that the world has always been able to read and write. As a matter of fact, writing, the most important of all inventions, is quite new. Without written documents, we would be like cats and dogs, who can only teach their kittens and their puppies a few simple things, and who, because they cannot write, possess no way in which they can make use of the experience of those generations of cats and dogs that have gone before. In the first century before our era, when the Romans came to Egypt, they found the valley full of strange little pictures which seemed to have something to do with the history of the country. But the Romans were not interested in anything foreign, and did not inquire into the origin of these queer figures which covered the walls of the temples and the walls of the palaces, and endless reams of flat sheets made out of the papyrus reed. The last of the Egyptian priests, who had understood the holy art of making such pictures, had died several years before. Egypt, deprived of its independence, had become a storehouse filled with important historical documents, which no one could decipher, and which were of no earthly use to either man or beast. Seventeen centuries went by, and Egypt remained a land of mystery. But in the year 1798, a French general by the name of Bonaparte happened to visit eastern Africa to prepare for an attack upon the British Indian colonies. He did not get beyond the Nile, 
and his campaign was a failure. But, quite accidentally, the famous French expedition solved the problem of the ancient Egyptian picture language. One day, a young French officer, much bored by the dreary life of his little fortress on the Rosetta River, a mouth of the Nile, decided to spend a few idle hours rummaging among the ruins of the Nile Delta. And behold, he found a stone which greatly puzzled him. Like everything else in Egypt, it was covered with little figures. But this particular slab of black basalt was different from anything that had ever been discovered. It carried three inscriptions. One of these was in Greek. The Greek language was known. All that is necessary, so he reasoned, is to compare the Greek text with the Egyptian figures, and they will at once tell their secrets. The plan sounded simple enough, but it took more than twenty years to solve the riddle. In the year 1802, a French professor by the name of Champollion began to compare the Greek and the Egyptian texts of the famous Rosetta Stone. In the year 1823, he announced that he had discovered the meaning of fourteen little figures. A short time later he died from overwork, but the main principles of Egyptian writing had become known. Today the story of the Valley of the Nile is better known to us than the story of the Mississippi River. We possess a written record which covers four thousand years of chronicled history. As the ancient Egyptian hieroglyphics, the word means sacred writing, have played such a great role in history, a few of them in modified form have even found their way into our own alphabet. You ought to know something about the ingenious system which was used fifty centuries ago to preserve the spoken word for the benefit of the coming generations. Of course, you know what a sign language is. Every Indian story of our western plains has a chapter devoted to strange messages written in the form of little pictures, which tell how many buffaloes were killed, and how many hunters there were in a certain party. As a rule, it is not difficult to understand the meaning of such messages. Ancient Egyptian, however, was not a sign language. The clever people of the Nile had passed beyond that stage long before. Their pictures meant a great deal more than the object which they represented, as I shall try to explain to you now. Suppose that you were Champollion, and that you were examining a stack of papyrus sheets, all covered with hieroglyphics. Suddenly you came across a picture of a man with a saw. Very well, you would say. That means, of course, that a farmer went out to cut down a tree. Then you take another papyrus. It tells the story of a queen who had died at the age of eighty-two. In the midst of a sentence appears the picture of the man with the saw. Queens of eighty-two do not handle saws. The picture, therefore, must mean something else. But what? That is the riddle which the Frenchman finally solved. He discovered that the Egyptians were the first to use what we now call phonetic writing, a system of characters which reproduce the sound, or phone, of the spoken word, and which make it possible for us to translate all our spoken words into a written form, with the help of only a few dots and dashes and pothooks. Let us return for a moment to the little fellow with the saw. The word saw either means a certain tool, which you will find in a carpenter's shop, or it means the past tense of the verb to see. This is what had happened to the word during the course of centuries. 
First of all, it had meant only the particular tool which it represented. Then that meaning had been lost, and it had become the past participle of a verb. After several hundred years, the Egyptians lost sight of both these meanings, and the picture, here's a picture of a little man with a saw, came to stand for a single letter, the letter S. A short sentence will show you what I mean. Here is a modern English sentence, as it would have been written in hieroglyphics. Here in the text you see a picture of a man's face, a bee, a leaf, another picture of a man's face, a man carrying a saw and a giraffe. The man's face picture either means one of these two round objects in your head, which allow you to see, or it means I, the person who is talking. A, and here you see a picture of the bee, is either an insect which gathers honey, or it represents the verb to be, which means to exist. Again, it may be the first part of a verb, like become or behave. In this particular instance, it is followed by, and here is a picture of a leaf, which means a leaf, or leave, or leave. The sound of all three of these words is the same. The I you know all about. Finally, you get the picture of a, and here's a picture of the giraffe. It is a giraffe. It is a part of the old sign language out of which the hieroglyphics developed. You can now read that sentence without much difficulty. I believe I saw a giraffe. Having invented this system, the Egyptians developed it during thousands of years until they could write anything they wanted and they used these canned words to send messages to friends, to keep business accounts, and to keep a record of the history of their country, that future generations might benefit by the mistakes of the past. End of chapter 4 Recorded by Michelle Crandall, Fremont, California, August 2008